Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. I really appreciate your support. My guest today is Leah Forney. Leah is a seven-time published author who helps other aspiring authors navigate the book writing process. Leah, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Amazing. Even happier now that I'm talking to you. Oh, are y'all having any rain over there in uh, the great state of New York City? Mm, not right now. Oh, yeah. see, we getting rained out here in Maryland, so I would yeah. rather be where there's sunshine. Right <laughs> you know, I'm going to say my prayers and ask that the rain only come when I'm sleeping. Because <laughs> that's the greatest sleep ever when it's <laughs> It's so calming too, right? It is. It is. So tell me, you have a great story. You are an amazing person. You, let's get back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. This is where everything, all your, your thoughts, everything, it all came from there. Yeah. This is what intrigues me about people. Mm-hmm. Because they don't think, oh, you know, when I was a kid. No, when you were a kid is when all these thoughts started to form. And you may not have realized it. Yeah. Tell me, where did you grow up? Yeah. And I know, but I want to (laughs) know. So I grew up, I'm a native of Queens, New York. So I have Hollis, Queens. Yes. I was on 199th Street. Nice. So my family stays on 212th and 102 Avenue. Oh, look at that. Yeah. So I grew up right there in Hollis, Queens. And my story is actually uh, a unique one. I'm the daughter of two addicts. So my mom Mm. has battled with drug addiction since I was two. My father was an alcoholic and in and out of prison since I was nine up until the day he passed away. So I was raised by my maternal grandmother. Mm -hmm. And so writing was always my way of escape. Uh, So that's why it was funny when you said those childhood things, because I as a child, I was always a writer. Um, I never thought I would do anything with my writing. But writing was my way of escape. So I would write a lot of stories. I came up with like a fantasy world about who my parents were. Mm. Um, because as a child, you always feel different when you you live in a community where a lot of your friends had mother and father and I'm being raised by grandma and auntie. So I felt different. 
you know, I felt like, well, why couldn't I, you know, get a chance to go to father daughter dances and why I couldn't have mommy at home every night like I saw all my other friends. Mm-hmm. So I escaped it into the world of writing. And so my grandmother, she used to tell me, and she still tells me that she's like, I always, as a child, always saw you writing. You would be sitting in a corner somewhere with a notebook and a piece of, and a pen and just writing from a very young age. Writing was just my therapy. It was my way of escape. It was, you know, my outlet to really process through mm-hmm. what it was I was feeling. I didn't think that it was actually that big for me until I became an adult. Mm-hmm. And then I would fast forward into going through school, like English was my favorite subject. Mm. So, of course, I was excelling in English, but probably doing horrible in math, but that was my favorite subject. So I absolutely loved, loved writing. And then fast forward, we get till 2016, 2017, and I decided I want to write a book. Mm. But I wasn't absolutely sure that process because I had never done it before. Mm Right. So this is me jumping out into the deep. And I partnered up with an amazing uh, small press publisher called Studio Griffin. I was living in North Carolina at the time. And so me and the owner of the publishing company went to the same church. And so she helped me birth my very first book. And I remember her saying to me, you are an amazing storyteller. And I looked at her like she had like 10 heads like me, a storyteller. But (laughs) It was just because I love writing. And she was like, no, you literally take your your readers on the journey like they can feel every emotion. They can get a sense and a visual of everything that you're trying to get across with your words. And so that that childhood little girl became the published author in 2017. Nice. Congratulations. Thank you. But let's let's get back to that little girl writing in the corner. You would, we need to know what you were writing. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I, my grandma always said I was always writing one or two things. I was either writing letters to God or my Christmas list to Santa. Mm. <laughs> That's what she would always tell me. So she's, and so that was, I mean, thinking about being that little girl and writing my letters to God. Again, I don't even think even at eight, nine years old, I could fathom who God really was. I think it was just me realizing I have these emotions. I don't know what to do with these emotions. I'm coming into the sense that I'm different than a lot of my peers and I need to get it out. Mm -hmm. And so I just sat in the corner and I would just write. Another thing that she always told me she saw me doing was like writing songs. I had this one phase in my life where I think I told myself I wanted to be a songwriter. And so one Christmas, I remember her getting me a keyboard and she told me that was probably the worst gift she could ever get me because I would not stop playing the keyboard, even if it sounded horrible. But that little girl knew that she had this gift. I don't think that she knew how powerful her gift was. I don't even think she knew the power of her words at the time. I think that she just had this gift and these emotions and she wanted to get it out. And so writing was her way of just getting it out. And she found because she was raised in the church, because that's where her grandmother and aunt took her every Sunday, it was easier to connect with her higher power and and talk to God through writing. Mm. Tell me, you said you would write to God. Mm -hmm. Do you mind sharing what those writings were about? Yeah, I still write to God. So (laughs) 
It's funny because as an adult, I do a lot of journaling and I write to God about how I'm feeling. Some of my writings have been just being honest about my own childhood, being honest about my disappointments as a kid, you know, growing up without two parents, not really understanding um, why I had to be different. Some of my writings are asking God. I remember there was a time in my life where I would write to God about my purpose and was like, so Mm. I know you put me or allowed these things to happen in my life. What's the purpose behind it? Because I was in a place in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going through all these seasons and changes, but I'm not sure why. And so I remember writing one time in my journal and asking God, what's the purpose in this? Why am I having to go through this? And how is this going to make me a better person? And so I still, to this day, even as an adult, I find time to get sit in my bed or in my corner and write to God. Oh, that's empowering. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people don't do what you do. Yeah. And it's just journaling. You're journaling, you're actually speaking to a higher power. But anytime you put anything in paper, it kind of strengthens what you're thinking. So mm-hmm. journaling for me is very important. Yeah. I have, to be honest with you, I have like four books I journal in on different topics. Yeah. It's crazy. And people are like, how do you journal? I said, because I got to put these thoughts in that. Yeah. I got to put these thoughts in this one. That way. So. For me, it's it's not my diary. Mm-hmm. It's literally the million thoughts that pop into my head. Yeah. I will forget them. Yeah. I will forget them. Because sometimes it, it's just you see something or you see someone doing something and a thought pops into your head. And you're like, oh, wow, I never thought of it that way. Or I didn't see it that way. And then if you forget it, it's gone. Yeah. Unless you keep repeating it, but it could be gone and it could be a golden nugget. You didn't even know you had inside of you and someone else inspired that thought. Yeah. I can only imagine that's how you write your books. You've written. Absolutely. You've written how many books now? I'm actually working on my eighth. Nice. So, yeah, absolutely. I keep so I keep a notebook. uh by my nightstand, I keep a notebook in different areas of my house. It's funny because I think like you, I have a journaling, I might have a journaling fetish. I'm always picking up a journal, buying journals. And like you, I they each serve a purpose because people say that to me too. They're like, so you have like six or seven journals, like what? And they all got something in it. And I'm like, yeah, they all got something in it. Um But yeah, that's literally that. And I will say my prayer time, because I I get asked all the time, how do I get these books out of me? And I spend a lot of time in prayer. Mm. And when I'm praying, I usually say to God, "Okay, this is your gift. (laughs) You gave me the gift of the writer. What is it that your people need to read? What is it that Mm. they need to hear? And he will usually within 48 hours, something sparks. And it's like, Mm. This is it. And I tell people he always gives it to me one or two ways. He either sometimes gives it to me with just a chapter, like just the title and old chapters, or he gives me the title and the chapters. And I tell people, usually if he gives me the title and the chapters, like I know that's the book 
Mm. that needs to be like really birthed. So then I start to plan that one. But yeah, journaling, because like you said, those golden nuggets, you never you can see something or hear something and it sparks something. And you're like, oh, wait. (laughs) And I I even started like recording on my my phone because sometimes I'm not near my journal. So then I have a recorder on my phone that I'm like, if I'm out somewhere and something inspires me, let me record it and then play it back and build from there. So I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. Oh my God, you and I are so much alike. So crazy. <laughs> because in my car, I can press a button and record, right? And I have like four little recorders that I, I like if, especially if I go on, on a trip where I go somewhere, I'm going to California, I'm going to Las Vegas, or I'm going to Texas, or I'm going wherever. Mm-hmm. I always make sure I have a recorder and I have books. When I go into, and this is the funny thing, if I want to feel Happy when I go to a store, even the supermarket. I and the supermarket has books. Yeah. I walk down that aisle and I look. And sometimes it's not even a, a written book. I'm looking for journaling books. <laughs> and it's the funniest thing. I'm like, oh, that looks really cool. I could probably write some cool stuff in yep. there. Yeah. You know, I don't know. You probably do the same thing. And it's like, wow. So, you know, I run a martial arts school and recently I came across some books, you know, for pre-K and so forth, but they were blank. And on top it has, so you can draw a picture and then write something underneath. And I said, oh, these are so cool. Mm -hmm. So I bought a bunch of them to give to the kids, but they have to earn them, right? Mm -hmm. And then I said, they're too cool. I know it says like pre-K and whatever, I'm keeping one. (laughs) Because I'm going to draw pictures and and write something. Yeah. And, And for me, and you said you love English. I always kid that English is my second language. Mm -hmm. But when we think about what we can put forth, when we put that pen to the paper, oh my God, it is beautiful, beautiful stuff. And you know, even if you write your own book on your life, even if no one else reads it, write it. Yeah. Write it. It's so, so important. I agree with you there. I tell people all the time, it's your legacy that you get to leave behind when you write Mm -hmm. a book, you know, even if nobody reads it, you know, it's still your legacy. I tell people copyrights last 70 years. So that's 70 years from the day you actually copy wrote the book or the manuscript. That's going to be, that means when you leave this earth, there's still a piece of you that's still here that said you exist. So why wouldn't you want to write a book? Isn't it funny what you just mentioned? Because you even see it in movies sometimes. They're like, oh, grandma passed away or grandpa. And oh, look at these letters we found. Yeah. You know, she wrote this or she wrote this or he wrote that. And then they they read it and they're like, oh, I didn't know that about mom or grandma or whoever. And they're like, that's so cool. Yeah. And it's a way to, like you said, leave your legacy. But be honest when you write. Yeah. Yeah. You also have a podcast. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So I do. I have a podcast. It's called Hey Queen Thrive. It's so funny how that podcast came to be. So after I think after I released my, let me say it was my third book. I was, again, seeking my God and trying to figure out, okay, what to do next? Like, I I wanted, I knew I wanted to do podcasting. I had no clue how to do podcasting, but I knew this was like the new wave podcasting. And so I I said, okay, I'm going to create a plan and I'm going to 
I'm going to do podcast. But I, I was so stuck on the name. I had yeah. no clue what I was going to name it. And I was like, what do I name it? And I mean, stuck. We talking about like for weeks. And it was and it's funny for me because when you're a creative person and you can write like things come to you like that. Right. And for some reason, it just wasn't coming mm. until one day. This is going to make you laugh. I took a nap. And literally, as I was napping, what came in my subconscious was, hey, Queen Thrive. Mm. And I woke up from the nap and I remembered it because it stuck with me. And I wrote it in my journal. And I was like, that's the name of the podcast. Hey, Queen Thrive. And so it came. I I wanted to create a, a show that highlighted everyday women to talk about everyday life and everyday struggles. And that's why the thriving piece came from, because every person that has been on my show has had a unique testimony, a unique story Mm. that led to either them birthing a business or writing a book, or or it led to something that they decided that they were going to take their pain and find purpose in it. And those were the stories that I really wanted to highlight. And so that is how Hey Queen Thrive came about. Nice, nice. Interesting that you were taking a nap. (laughs) How many times I've woken up? I'm always up half hour before my alarm, at least, or an hour. And sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'll remember that. And then it's gone. Yeah. So now if I wake up and I have a thought in my mind, boom, I go and I write it down. And I'm I'm thinking of doing another podcast. This is my first one. I'm thinking of another one. And that name came to me around three something in the morning and I ran over, I wrote it down and then I couldn't go back to sleep. I was so excited. (laughs) And yeah, and I'm not ready to do that podcast yet, Mm -hmm. but from that name, I started writing all these different scenarios, all these different things that are going to help me put that together. So my goal is probably two to three months from now to put it out there. So when we think about, and someone said to me, between the hours of 11 and 4 a.m. is when you're most creative. Mm -hmm. Mm. And for me, that's easy because I don't sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I know it's not healthy not to sleep, but even last night, I went to sleep uh, like almost 12 o'clock, but I was up way before five o'clock. And there's, I even put, I put my alarm for five o'clock. I was up before it. I was like, all right, I'll just get up. And for me, living is so cool. So if I could sleep less and live more, I would. Yeah. I mean, I know we have to replenish. Mm-hmm. I know we have to recharge. But could I recharge on less? Yeah. Can I be a faster battery? Can I get a faster battery <laughs> to recharge? Yeah, I I agree with you. I think and you know what? I think that was the beauty of going through a pandemic because I think it slowed everybody down. Mm. So then you really got to enjoy life without the routine, without the rat race, without the coming and going and everything like that. Like I remember when the pandemic started, I took a walk in my neighborhood and it was like the first time that I actually noticed the cherry blossoms blooming on the trees. Mm. And I was like, oh. Got cherry blossoms in my neighborhood. Like I had never paid attention (laughs) to it because prior to the pandemic, it was just routine running, you know, going to work, coming home. Like I never, and I think that was one of the 
for me, the beauties of the pandemic, because it literally taught me how to just slow it down and not only slow it down, but appreciate, appreciate life, appreciate being around life, appreciate the trees. And so, because I'm there with you, like I'm a late night person too. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm more creative between those hours as well. And then I'm also one of those people, like I can try to set my alarm, but my body will be like, up. We're up. And I don't care where I'm at. I tell people I go take a trip home to New York City and my body will still wake up mm. six o'clock in the morning. My family's always like, why are you always up so early? And I'm like, because my body is like, hey, how are you? How Let's you get the day started. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get moving. Let's get moving. Tell me, what do you want to accomplish? through your writing? Yeah. So for me, I think it, I always write for inspiration and motivation because really what I want people to read when they read any of my books is I want them to see that you can go through any painful situation, any struggle and still find purpose. I say, I tell people that there's another side to pain. What happens with many of us is we get stuck in our pain. So then we don't move and then we don't ever discover the other side of it. And the other side of it is where the healing and the wholeness and the beauty and the purpose resides. But we never get there because we're so stuck in how we feel today, you know. And I discovered that for me going through a grief journey three years ago where I unexpectedly buried my fiance. Oh my I tell people, if you would have told me three years ago that I could be doing what I'm doing today, I'd have laughed at you because all I felt was the pain. Right. The person I love is no longer here. Now I got to figure out life without him. Mm. Three years later, it's like, oh, wow. I took this painful moment. I wrote a book about it. I've been able to, you know, do virtual summits. I've been able to speak on it. I've been able to encourage me. So it, it has its purpose. Right. And if I had stayed stuck in feeling what I was feeling, I would have never been able to do all these other things that I've been able to do that are purposeful and beautiful mm. because of it. Think about the beauty that you love. You lost a loved one, but he'll always be with you. Yeah. That's the beauty that a lot of people miss. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I, I lost my mom last year. I lost my dad a couple of years prior to that. I lost my brother when he was only 42 years old. And I'm always talking to them. Yeah. Always. They're in my mind, in my prayers every night. I, I reach out to them and, and I, I talk to them and I thank them and, and all these different things. So my morning process is probably different than most. Yeah. Because it's not that I don't want to cry. Mm -hmm. I don't. And it's weird. So people <laughs> are like, something's wrong with you. And what I realize is that it's not because I don't feel the, the loss. Mm -hmm. It's because... I'm thinking about the joy I had knowing yeah. these angels. So for me, my take on things is a little, I guess, weird. You can say <laughs> it. Because everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. I had polio when I was a kid. I am very fortunate that I can walk. I, I'm very, I'm bow-legged. I was worse than, as a kid. I lost the ability to walk for a couple of years. I had to relearn how to walk. Mm. So at a very early age, all these different things have happened. I take them as a learning opportunity. Yeah. How can I grow from it? Yeah. Because you said something earlier and it's 
we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. You had no idea that three years ago you would be here. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. But we have to be open to the future. But we have to live in the present. We should remember the past, always. But live in the present. So many people say, oh, I can't do that because I, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Mm -hmm. You may be changing the world if you do what you're going to do. Yeah. But you don't know because you're afraid to try it. You're afraid to do it. And then, well, I've always done it this way. Well, guess what, baby? We're moving on. Mm -hmm. The world doesn't stop for you. It doesn't That's stop it. revolving just because you're on pause. The world doesn't, time does not pause, right? You and I were given the same amount of time. What we do yeah. with it? What do we do with it? You write beautiful books. Tell me about your first book. Yeah. So unapologetically me. I like that name. Thank you. So that book is actually the story of my tumultuous relationship with my mom mm. and kind of my internal battle with uh, loving her and hating her all at the same time. Mm. It was very, um, there was a time in my life where my mom came to stay with me. I was living in North Carolina. She was probably with me for a year. And I was the little girl in me who just wanted her mother uh, was battling because the adult in me or the adult at the time was looking at this woman and saying, how could you have left me? How could you have abandoned me? While the little girl in me was just like, oh my God, my mommy's here. And so I went through this internal battle because I saw it's weird because I saw my both my parents kind of as superheroes to me, despite mm. their flaws. Right. And so the inner child in me is like, this is my mommy, the superhero. But the adult that understands the reality and understands addiction and understands what she was going through is like, I also don't like her. And so unapologetically, me literally takes you through that journey of mother daughter relationships and that how it can be very toxic sometimes and very tumultuous sometimes. And even after my mom has repeatedly relapsed, like I continue to that little girl. I just want my mommy. I just want to save my mommy oh, yeah. um, continues to show up. And so what it's funny, because when I wrote that book, I was like why are we talking about my mom? <laughs> like, I didn't understand why I needed to share that part of my life. And then the book came out and I literally had so many daughters of addicts that said, thank you for writing that book. Mm. Because I too have that same internal battle between loving, who my, loving my parent because they're my parent versus I don't like you because of what you do. Right. And it was the first time I think I ever felt validated that what I was feeling was not absolutely crazy and that I wasn't alone in what I was feeling. Because I think life has a way of making you feel like you're alone in things. Mm -hmm. It does. Until you connect with other people that are like, nope, I know exactly those same <laughs> feelings. So hearing that feedback from so many daughters who had those same issues and saying, yeah, that's me too. Like mm, mm. that battle with my mom internally. So that's where unapologetically me came from. It was me finally saying that I was no longer going to be ashamed of where I came from right. um, because I had spent so much time in my life 
pretending and trying to change the narrative and come up with stories about why my mother wasn't around and why my daddy, and that got, became exhausting. I'm sure. So (laughs) one day I was just like, you know what, God, you gave me this life. You dealt these cards for a reason. I'm not, I'm no longer going to be ashamed about it. Who I am and who my parents are is, is who, how I am, who I am and created me to be. So I'm not gonna be ashamed about it. And so that was literally the beginning of me really owning and becoming unapologetically about who I am in, in my life and who my parents are. How, mu- how much emotions or, or maybe even sleepless nights when you were writing that book, because you had to pull all that memory. You had to yeah. relive it. Yeah. Kind of right. Because it's not, it's not, it's not a, a made-up story. This is your life. This is what you went through. Mm-mm. When we think about that, how did you and how long did it, this project take? Because I'm sure it was very draining as well. Yeah. So I tell people all the time, like my first book, I cried the whole time writing it. Mm. The whole time writing it. I mean, I'm talking about the ugly cry, not the cute cry, the yeah. ugly, <laughs> like multiple tissues on the desk crying because um, it was a release. It really was a release of me, you know, finally let, letting go of all those bottled up emotions, bottled up feelings, because for a very long time, I just didn't deal. Mm. I would just pretend like. I don't know what I told myself to kind of get through life at that time, but I just never do. I didn't like emotions. I didn't like feelings. So the, the, the easier thing to do at the time in my life was to suppress. And so when I decided that I wanted to write a book and God gave me the book, boy, did he take me on a therapeutic journey. Mm-hmm. And I really began to purge and release and cry it all out. And it took, I would say, from writing to birth was over a year because there were just so many different emotions and different experiences that I had tucked back, you know, in my mind, like blocked it that were coming to the surface. And I'm like, oh, man, we got to talk about that part, too. (laughs) Like it was just, you know, and then but the beautiful thing in it was. I felt like God needed me to release it during my writing process so that when it was time to really talk about it, you know, as the author mm. and and sell it, if you will, I could sell it from a place of victory right. versus still feeling victimized. Correct. And so that that was also the beginning of me deciding as well that maybe I need to go to therapy (laughs) because I had all these childhood traumas that I had suppressed to all these years that were now coming to the surface. So that was also the beginning of me taking it a step further and seeking out counseling to really begin to process my feelings about my mom and those mother wounds. Mm. You just, you just put this thought in my mind and the thought is, wouldn't it be ha- have been something special if you would have said to the therapist, listen, before we have our first session, here's my book, read it. <laughs> because it would have given them a deeper insight, no? Yeah. Because for you to come out and do all the, that, and I'm sure it was, it was wonderful to go through therapy and do all of that. And writing that book had to be so, like you said, God asked you to write it mm-hmm. because it was your therapy. Yeah. It was your way to really come out and say, this is 
who I am. I don't need to be ashamed anymore. Mm -hmm. This is me. Yeah. Hey, world, this is me. <laughs> right? Tell me about your second book. Yeah, so the second book, Courage to Win. Courage to Win came at a time in my life where I was feeling very discouraged. Mm. Life was just happening, and I really was just feeling worn out by life, discouraged, disappointed that things in my life didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out. And I remember how the idea came to me was I was watching a sermon. I think it was on YouTube and it was by a pastor named Pastor John Gray. And he was talking about how it takes courage to keep winning at this thing called life. Mm. And something about when he said it, like stuck with me. And I, and that's when I came up with God. I, I was like, courage to win at this. Thing. And I was like, courage to win is a book about how do you ignite the winner within yeah. you when life is happening? Because the thing is, life is going to happen. And many of us, and myself included, don't always have the tools or didn't have the tools at the time, the coping mechanisms to be able to navigate life. And so I I created the book Courage to Win, Igniting the Winner Within to help other people like me who may get into a season in their life where they're disappointed and discouraged because things ain't going the way they would hope it to go, mm. to know that you can, there's a winner on the inside of you that you can tap into that will help keep you motivated in those seasons where you really do want to give up. I, I love how you write with feeling. Mm -hmm. I have not read your books yet, but I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm telling you. So I got to add it to my library back here. I also want the eighth one when it comes out. So it's coming. And you know, I just had that conversation with my editor. I was like, give me one more week. It'll be <laughs> you know what we'll do? Uh, just tell me how much I'll send you a check. You sign all of them and send me them. Okay. Okay. Because you know, I am hey, talking to the author. I want, I want him signed. It, it seems to me that you're really putting a lot of thought into your writing. Mm -hmm. You are being led by a higher power into the concept, the idea, the title, the chapters. But it, you're the vessel. You're the one putting it out. Yeah. You're the one delivering the message. And the more I listen to you, the more motivational. You sound to me. Thank you. Because if you're not a motivational speaker, girl, <laughs> let's do it. You have to. You have to. Thank because you. you even said it, and it's so true, because a lot of people think that, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. Why me? Why me? And they feel they're alone. And you're not alone yeah. because the same thing could be happening across the world, across town, down the block. We don't know because a lot of people, you know, just the same way we cover ourselves with an umbrella when it's raining, mm -hmm. we go out there, we put on makeup or not me personally, but <laughs> yeah, we put on a facade because it's scary to go out there and start, you know, spewing out what happened to you today. And some people like doing that. But it's it's very emotional mm -hmm. to come out and say things and, and do things and because you feel trapped sometimes. And I'm sure you did. And, you know, my life experiences have taught me that as well. We feel trapped. We feel why me? 
am I the only one? Yeah. And you said it. You felt joy when other people came out and say, hey, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for what you've done. You've given me a voice, which is what you've done. Yeah. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Let's talk about book number three, young lady. Yeah, Defining Moments. So, <laughs> ah, this is such a motivational. I love these titles. My gosh, they're amazing. <laughs> so how Defining Moments came to me was I thought about that, that vision of a fork in the road, mm. right? You got one way this way, one way. What decision are you going to make? And Defining Moments details my personal journey with grief, where from 2018 to 2019, I buried five loved ones, including oh my, gosh. my significant other at the time. And I went on this grief journey and God was teaching me some very key lessons of that literally were defining moments. And I'll share two of them because I don't want to give it all away. But one, he, he, he taught me a lesson on how to be to others what you need. Mm. And how that lesson came about is I work in the field of mental health. I've been in the field nine years. And while I was grieving, a lot of my clients at the time were grieving as well. Mm. And so here it is. I'm encouraging. I'm I'm sowing these seeds of encouragement in my clients who are grieving while at the same time, I'm like, hello, God, what about me? Because I'm grieving, too. Right. And they had no clue what was happening in my personal life. Right, right. But he taught me this lesson about how sometimes the very thing we need, we have to sow yeah. into somebody else. Yes. And so that was one of the lessons. Then he taught me this really great lesson about support. And the lesson on support was that we think a lot of times that our friends and our families just know, right? You've been around me long enough. You're just supposed to know, right? And that's the story I was telling myself while I was grieving. I was isolating myself and I was putting myself on Leah's island, but yet crying and saying, God, don't nobody care. Ain't nobody here to support me. And he's like, yeah, that's because you're on Leah's island and the people that are trying to support you, you're pushing away. Mm. And so what he taught me was that support was a two-way street. And he said, shared with me that support is not only being able to communicate what you need, mm -hmm. but it's also about being open to receive what you need. Right. And so a lot of times we either think that people are mind readers, so we don't communicate or we communicate, but we're never open to receiving it. Right. And so he, how he brought that lesson to me was he brought me back to, I, I think it was an old story I heard about a man that was on the roof waiting for a boat to come rescue them. And God kept sending all these different ways that he can get off this roof. Yeah, I like that story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wouldn't take it and then started saying, Hey, you're supposed to come rescue me. And you didn't. And God's like, wait a minute. I sent you a boat. I sent you a plane. I sent like, and so he was showing me that you keep telling me you want support and I'm sending it, mm. but you're not open to receiving yeah. the support. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. And so many people, they close up, right? Mm -hmm. They think they have to grieve alone. Yeah. Right? And you don't. You don't. And, and you said it. Support. 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 It's important for us to realize that if I lose a loved one mm -hmm. and I have other family members who also lost that loved one, if we grieve alone, it's harder. 
Mm-hmm. If we grieve together, we can support each other. We can be there for one another. So there is the, the connection that some people miss. Yeah. Where you don't have to grieve alone. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to me about book number four. I can't wait for the title. <laughs> so book number four is Power of Reconciliation. Feeling from the inside out. Wow. Um, That book is actually an um, amazing story of how God restored some some relationships and some things in my life. And it starts with me pretty much catching people up to where I am present day with my mom. Mm. And at the time, August of last year, my mother had a really bad stroke. And so how the story came to me was God took a crazy moment. Because maybe two days before she had the stroke, I get a phone call like three o'clock in the morning and it's a drug dealer on my phone telling me that my mother owes this amount of money and that if they didn't get this kind of money, they were going to hurt her. Mm. Like, can you imagine three o'clock in the morning you get woke up to this phone call? So I was instantly irritated and frustrated because I'm like, here she go doing her thing. And you were trying to bring your family into your mess. Mm. So fast forward two days later, I get another phone call at 5 a.m. And I instantly was like, I'm not answering this phone because I'm not I don't got time for this. And I remember God saying to me, pick up the phone. Mm. And I picked up and it was the hospital. Mm. And it was a doctor saying your mother had been badly beaten. She has a major blood clot in her brain. She has had a stroke and we need to do emergency surgery. And you're down as her power of attorney. You have to make the call. And in that instant moment, it was literally my mom's life was in my hand. Mm, My goodness. And I had to make a decision of do she live or does she die? Mm. So, of course, I tell her the little girl in me is like, fight for your mommy. Of course. Yes. (laughs) And so I tell them do what they have to do to save her. And so while my mother was going through this and she had to learn how to walk again, she had to learn how to talk again. Like she, it was really bad at the same time that I'm handling all of this with my mom. What most people didn't know was that I was the, I was one of six children. People always knew me, my brother, my older brother and my sister, but my mom had six all together and three of them she gave up for adoption at their birth. Mm. So all at the same time, this chaos is happening. My grandmother, my mom's mom gets a phone call from the adopted mother of my other three siblings. Oh my goodness. So God literally, while he's healing and, and helping me to navigate and see my mother differently um, and see her for a woman that's just struggling through this thing called life. Right. He brings and answers prayers because it's always been my prayer to want to meet my other siblings. He answered the prayer at the same exact time. And now I get to form this bond with my other three siblings that I have always dreamed about. So that's literally how power of reconciliation came about. Oh, wow. Amazing. Amazing. I'm lo- I'm loving these titles, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank, oh my gosh. thank you. Thank you. We're going to have to collaborate just on titles. <laughs> Listen, I'm always open to it. You know, it's funny because I tell people while I may be going into my eighth book, because after that, I shifted a little bit right. and I created journals. Mm. So book six, seven, six and seven are journals and they're really healing journals. So I, God was like, create a healing journal. Mm. And so one is uh, how to heal our mindset. 
And the other one is about healing internally. Mm -hmm. Um, But now with this new one, and you'll be the first to hear this, Raphael, (laughs) this is an exclusive. It's called uh, Daddy's Little Princess. Oh, nice. Yeah. So God had instructed me to to share in my my relationship with my father and how it impacted my relationships with other men, mm. um, which was actually real. This book to, is probably one of my hardest books to write because I don't necessarily talk about my father. Right. And God was saying, yeah, but you can't tell him one side of the story. and don't tell the other side of the story. Like, yeah. we know all about your mom. Now we're going to dive into your father. Um, but it, it's funny how this book came two years after his death. Mm. God was like, OK, I think you are where you need to be in your grief journey to now talk about your dad. And it, I will tell you writing this book has been such an eye opener for me. And I get to see my father differently. I always say healed people hear differently, do differently and see differently. Cause as you're healing, you know, you don't hear from the same filter that you did your with, with your trauma as you're healing, you see people differently. So I don't even, I can't even see my parents as my parents anymore. I see them as individuals that have been struggling to navigate this thing called life. Yeah. Not easy. You know, right. And then do differently. You no longer are attracting the things that you once attracted from your traumatic or broken place. And so daddy's little princess will drop fall of 2021. And I'm excited about this. Nice. Nice. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Yeah. But of course, I'm going to read all the other ones first, just to get <laughs> to that one. When I say you and I are very much alike, at the age of 10, I stopped living with my parents. And God bless my sister who took me in. Mm. And so I know where you're coming from. In some instance, my, my parents were not into drugs or all these other things. They were into their own craziness. But for me, it took I guess some realization mm-hmm. on forgiving them. Yeah. And once I forgave them, it's like everything opened up. Mm-hmm. My anger issues, all these different things dissipated. They were gone. Yeah. And anybody who knows me probably can't recall a time they've ever seen me mad at all. Mm-hmm. And even one of my students said to me, you know, I've trained with a lot of different masters in the past. But I got to tell you one thing, and I don't want your, you know, your ego to get big. I said, what ego? I don't have one. And he goes, you're so zen. Mm. You're so zen. You're so calm. Yeah. Relaxed. I said, well, what do I have to be heated up about? You know, <laughs> right. what is there? Listen, I've had gun put to my head, knife at my throat, all these different things. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's ever done me wrong, I've forgiven. Yeah. Even the guy that put the, the gun to my head, hey, he, he just made a poor decision at that time. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, life. It's the, the decisions that we make mm-hmm. that make us who we are. Yeah. The decisions I make today will reflect on my tomorrow. Yep. My decisions I made yesterday will represent who I am today. Mm-hmm. And even if I made bad decisions in the past, as long as I start making good decisions, my future's bright. That's it. 
it, it has been such an honor. Thank you. Talking to such a motivational person. Thank you. You really, really are so inspiring because you could have easily, easily been like your parents. Oh, yeah. So easy. And you had a higher calling. Mm-hmm. I also grew up, my brother-in-law is a deacon, and I grew up with my brother-in-law and my sister. And I was in church all the time. I used to go to the seminary. I used to go play pool with the priests and all these different things. And I was constantly in the church and around all these different things. And for me, I still talk to God Yeah. every day, every night. A, a lot of times, you know, you'll hear somebody say, oh, this happened to so-and-so and whatever. And I'll say, you know what? I'm going to put them in my prayers. And I don't just say it. I actually do it. You yeah. know, and I'm sure you're the same. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we, when we think about the power of praying or well-wishing even, even if you're an atheist, you still believe in something, right? Yeah. Well-wishing, prayer, if the more people that do it, and we focus on a person, I think goodness will come from it. And at least it'll make us feel good because we know we have them in our mind and in our heart. Absolutely. Tell me, how else are you going to be impacting our world, young lady? (laughs) Well, I'll say right now, the biggest thing is I'm now helping others write their own books. So I I was avoiding coaching for a very long time. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, no, I don't think I want to be a coach. But the more I avoided, the stronger mm-hmm. it came. And so I was like, all right, clearly, God, this is what you're telling me to do. So I'm going to stop avoiding it. Um, so now that's what I do. I um, I have mainly women. I have yet to coach a man through the writing process. Right here. Um, right here. <laughs> <laughs> would definitely like, like a stab at it. But uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm helping other people, other women get their stories out helping them know that, yeah, you can leave a legacy. You can, you can leave a book behind, um, but also just showing them how you can take that same message in that same book and build from it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want to turn into business, if you want to become a coach, if you want to start a course, all of these things, you start with a book. And so that is one of the ways that I have been and still continue to impact the world, but also just always continue to walk in my truth. Always continue to be open and honest about who I am, be transparent about my struggles. Because I, I say, I hate to use the word selves, but transparency, people connect with people they're related oh, yeah. to, like it's relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of like, I tell people like, I'm kind of like God sometimes. I could show my scars because those are scars that have healed. Um, And I'm not afraid to say, yeah, look where I've been. Like, but because of where I've been, this is who I am today. And so, yeah, that's how I'm continuing to to make an impact. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. And you go, you keep going. Thank you. I love what you're doing. I, I love how you took adversity, right? And you shared your knowledge, your experience. Because by sharing, you help. Yeah. You touched 
lives. And here's the key. Your books will continue to share, to touch lives, to impact others, to get out of their own way. So many of us, we're in our own way. Yeah. You know, we, we, we have limiting beliefs sometimes and we have doubt. Don't doubt yourself. You're a beautiful person. Just look in the mirror. You know, look in the mirror. You are beautiful. Anything you want to do, you can. You have shown that it doesn't matter what upbringing you had. Mm -hmm. As long as you look deep and you search, Mm -hmm. you'll find your calling. Absolutely. And I, I obviously see yours. Thank you. Thank you so much. I tell you, motivational Okay, I'm going to add that to my, my resume. Just, just listening to your titles. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's very cool. I, I really appreciate our connection. And I hope we will talk from time to time. Absolutely. And, you know, when you're in New York, come hit me up. We'll go get something. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get some, some good food and maybe go back to the neighborhood and hang out. You know, do some great, great stuff. And uh, it sounds good. Definitely. The next time I'm home, I will definitely hit you up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I went to Jamaica high school. Nice. I went to Susan B. Anthony. I went to PS 109, you know, I, so definitely. Yeah. So you, yeah, you, you from New York, New York. <laughs> Cause I went to, I went to Bayside. Oh, okay. I used to compete against Bayside. Yeah, I, I was, went to Bayside. I was on the handball team. I used to compete against them. I was also on the gymnastics team. Nice. And which is w- really odd because I'm six foot one, and my coach said, We're not taking you on the gymnastics team. I said, It's tryouts, right? He goes, Yeah. I said, Well, I'm here to try out. He goes, No. I said, He expects a little guy. So his, his mentality, I changed because I said, you haven't seen me do anything. Yeah. So he goes, all right, what can you do? I did a bunch of flips. He goes, you're on the team. So, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I competed with, with all the local schools. So yeah, A-side definitely competed against you guys. Nice. So, this has been such an honor. Thank you again. And thank you're you welcome. for your time. I really appreciate it. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Thank you. And we'll talk again soon. Yes. Have a good one. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.